You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. This is Krypton, and this is the story of the House of L. My name is Adam Strange. Someone from the future is coming to destroy Krypton. Because your grandson becomes the greatest hero in the universe. Superman. I've been having this vision. We are not alone in the universe. It's known as the Collector of Worlds, but his true name is Brainiac. Son of Krypton, your world is at an end. Help me find a way to stop him. You have to find the fortress. It's time you learn the truth. Brainiac is going to rip Candle from the ground and enslave all of us. You are insult. Fight with honor and fight without mercy. Once this cape is gone, our time's up. Superman will have been wiped from existence. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club. I am your host here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm so excited to be coming to you from the cantina on Krypton or Krypton's Cantina or something like that. Um, very excited. Uh, but, uh, and strangely enough, from the past, too. So I'm so glad this podcast is making it to you. But um, very glad that we are going to be here to talk about a brand new show as it's premiered now on Siffy Sci-Fi. Is, is it really, really Sci-Fi? It looks more like Siffy. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be excited to talk about that. And uh, I'm really glad to welcome to the show for the very first time uh, somebody that you have probably heard on the network as she has been all over the place these days with The Edge and Warp 5 and other places. But uh, Brady Jackla, how's it going? I am peachy keen and I'm super excited to be here. And uh, You're super excited? I'm super excited. No <laughs> pun intended, but I do them accidentally all the time. And I thought that my husband and I were the only people who call it Siffy because that's what we call it, Siffy. It's what it looks like, right? Yep. We didn't like yeah. it when they changed that, but they had to do something no. they could brand and trademark. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That does definitely make sense. So, um, but you know, it, they've been going all over the place. I know um, some friends who love like the Expanse show that they've been doing. You know, and I'm so one they've of had those. So, <laughs> they've had some really good things happen. Obviously, everybody knows Battlestar Galactica. Loved it. And yeah, that reboot. So, um, you know that this whole idea of of starting this. Uh, Kind of prequel, prequel, prequel to everything we know about <laughs> Krypton and Superman, um, and and so I'm I'm excited to dive into that. Before we get into that, though, um, just of course uh, you can find us all over the place. Trek FM's everywhere. We're over on Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes.com/slash Trek FM. Uh, you can find all of the shows there. But while you're there, 
Uh, hit the subscribe button for the 602 Club. Make sure you're subscribed so you get the show as soon as I publish it. And then, of course, uh, make sure that uh, you leave us a star rating review. Let us know what you think of the show and uh, help other people find the show. Uh, you can find us, uh, like us, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. You can also find us, like us, follow us, share all the stuff we share over on Twitter at trekfm. Um, we've got the listeners only discussion group, and that is housed on Facebook. So if you go to Facebook and type Babel into the search field, you'll find the Babel Conference, which is our discussion group for listeners. Uh, and uh, if you go to the website at trek.fm, you can also find uh, on any of the menu bars, you'll see the discussion on any of the show pages. Uh, you can click that. That'll bring you to the group. And then last but not least, while you're at the website, trek.fm, you can go to the contact section, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that would send an email to me and any host that's on that week. So um, yeah, I love getting emails about the show. It's so much fun. So I wanted to ask you first before we even kind of, uh, I guess we're starting at the beginning of the end right. since we all know kind of what's going to happen to Krypton, right? It's mm-hmm. going to get destroyed. Yep. Um, at least we think it's going to get destroyed. Uh, <laughs> it's going to go. It's going to go. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know kind of just what your excitement level for the show was going in and, and, and was this something you were looking forward to? Are you a Superman fan? What what where were you when when the uh, Saul? Oh, they're gonna huh? That's interesting. A, okay, a prequel. Well, and I have a confession to make because I am a big fan of the DC television shows, uh, especially those on the CW. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. really enjoyed those very much. Uh, not as much of a fan of the DC cinematic universe. I I I want to be. I really want to be. And I someday, someday they're going to do something that I'm going to go. Yep, that's it. That's what I was hoping. So for. So not even Wonder Woman for no you. Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman did it. It was still it still had some issues, but in my mind, those issues were minuscule enough that I can watch the movie over and over again. And so that is one yeah. I did purchase. And, you know, as a kid, everybody loves Superman when you're a kid, especially uh, there were plenty of times we ran around with capes on, jumping off of things, much to my parents' chagrin. And as I got older, my attention went elsewhere, especially with Wonder Woman and the 70s series, because I am old enough to have watched that as it happened. And uh, so it my my attention shifted. And as I got even older... My favorite uh, DC Universe character is now the one that everybody's like, what, really? Which is John Constantine. <laughs> so, Oh, nice. And he's doing so great on the, uh, the yeah, Legends of Tomorrow these days, yes. which is fantastic. Yeah, he, uh, Matt it. Ryan is John Constantine. Let's just. The perfect, woo-hoo. perfect, perfect. You couldn't yes. do it any better. I mean, it was, it's just fantastic. And so I've been collecting all of the original graphic novels. I'm up to 11. I'm buying one a month. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> so, well, and he's, um, I know he's going to be back. You know, uh, they're going to make, I think, I think he's going to be in the new um, Anim- Justice League Dark that they're, yes. that's coming out this summer. Yes, because so. he was, uh, he was in another Justice League Dark movie. And there yes, is an yes. animated series that is only yep. going to be on CW Seed, and that's fine. I got that app on my Kindle Fire Stick. I'm ready to go. So the minute yeah, it's they live. have some good stuff on there too, because they have they had Vixen on there as well. Exactly. So. Yes, they they have a lot of good animated things. Plus, they have all of the episodes of the original Constantine television series that was yeah. way too short lived. Shouldn't have done yeah, it. On I NBC. don't know why they put that on NBC. I feel like if you had just put that on CW. 
it would have worked. You could exactly. have paired it with uh, Supernatural. Su- Supernatural, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly what I thought, yes. Anyway, long story short, when I saw the first commercial for Krypton, I said, oh, for heaven's sake, another prequel. And then I thought, okay, that is not fair. And I thought, I should give this a chance because Siffy has been doing some really good stuff. And I'm curious to see how this plays out. And then... Being on the 602 Club was the perfect excuse to watch it a couple of times, at least, and uh, and talk about it. <laughs> I have to say, my 80-year-old mother called me over the weekend and said, do you know about this show, Krypton? <laughs> and I said, yes, <laughs> you yes, heard Mom. about the Krypton? Yeah, I said, Mom, I, I do know about it. I'm actually going to be talking about it on the 602 Club. She said, oh, I didn't know that's what you were doing on that show. And I said, well, we talk about different things. And she said, well, I watched it, and I really liked it. What did you think? And just like, I love my mom so much is because of my mom. I got into sci-fi and fantasy in the first place. My mom and dad did that. So, and she's just like, oh, I'm going to watch the next episode. I really enjoyed this. So (laughs) I just thought that was so adorable. It speaks to multiple age groups. So there you go. That is really cool. That is, I mean, that might be one of the most unique stories that we've ever had on the show, you know, that you're mother is calling you up um i also uh, interestingly enough i guess we have the official pronunciation of krypton it is krypton not krypton as uh you know uh, yeah uh, uh, as marlon brando was so famously said uh many many times krypton. as he talked about krypton yeah i always thought um, that was weird yes 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 uh, I, I mean i don't know i krypton um you know maybe hmm. anyway uh well i mean everybody has a british accent in the show too so that's yeah um which is but fine i yeah <laughs> uh which makes kind of sense right because uh you know you had terrence stamp you know with the british accent you know in this in the and movie sarah and, douglas and, with the british accent yeah and, yeah you know. well and this this show is is uh before i even get into my excitement for it but just kind of overall, this show is an amalgamation of just about as many different things that have been done or seen from Krypton, all kind of thrown together, all the way from, you know, what we saw in Man of Steel, all the way back, you know, way, way back and, you know, pulling from old archives in, in DC mm, uh, yes. from what we know. So, and it, and it really is, it's, it's kind of nice because it's not just one vision, it's kind of like all of these visions kind of sewn together which is is good because I feel like it doesn't it as me as a comic book fan it doesn't turn me off because it's like oh I you just get to enjoy pulling oh they got that from Birthright or you know all that kind of stuff so um I'm a huge Superman fan <laughs> uh and as everybody knows who listens to the show for the most part I've I've really enjoyed the DC films and when I heard that David Goyer had this idea to do this show because of what they had done in Man of Steel. Um, I, you know, I know from so many people, regardless of whether they like that movie, most of the people enjoyed the stuff on Krypton and thought that was really strong. Um, and so the idea that they would kind of bring some of those sensibilities to a show was really neat. And so I was excited to see what they would do, you know, hopeful, um, because any. Yeah, a show can go any way, but I, I was looking forward to kind of getting to this this point, and I thought that the premise of the show was really interesting. Again, we're kind of going back to the beginning of the end and telling the story about um, Superman's 
grandfather. And I think that's kind of fascinating in how the House of L has been ostracized. You know, this, 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 uh, they've been shamed because of what his grandfather did, which was saying to the Kryptonian <laughs> people, hey, we're not alone in the universe. Um, yeah. And I thought that was kind of fascinating that, that, uh, this whole idea of that there's been a shift in Kryptonian civilization from kind of a more open society to being a more closed society. And it's his grandfather who's kind of this beacon of truth. And it's not even like in defiance of, it feels like maybe Kryptonian belief from years ago. It's more of in defiance of this oligarchy now. And I thought that was kind of cool. I actually really enjoyed that, and I felt that this silent figure who is the voice of Rao was extremely compelling without saying a word or having a facial expression. Yeah, just being super creepy. Yeah, super creepy. It was like a, it was like a 12-sided clown. Yeah, it was... 12-sided <laughs> Kryptonian clown. It was like super creep. It kind of looked like something I fought in Final Fantasy VII once, but not quite. Um, <laughs> I think it was in the tower where Yuffie had to get, you know, had to fight all the way to the top. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But uh, but it seems like this whole oligarchy thing started with the voice of Rao, and I am intrigued. I want to know how this person came to power. Are they Kryptonian? We don't know. They've got this mask on. They've got gloves on. They're in this robe that shows no shape whatsoever. Is it male? Is it female? All of these things that I don't know. And I am intrigued by it. Because the first thing I said when the episode started, I, I turned to my husband and I said, okay, I'm here. Now make me care. In five minutes, I cared. It didn't, it hardly took any time at all before I was thinking, I want, I want to know more. I want to know how this all goes. And of course, this is a finite timeline. We know how it's all going to end. But it's far enough back that there's so much they can still do that you can actually build a series about this instead of maybe just a couple of TV movies or what have yeah. you. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, of what I thought, you know, the... Uh, just for me personally, the genius of doing uh, Enterprise as opposed to, say, Discovery. You know, Enterprise being so far back, it gives mm -hmm. you an opportunity to really do some things without feeling like you're crouching on the, you know, what you already know. Yes. Whereas for me, Discovery is too close and I it, it creates too many issues in my brain and just it hasn't worked for me. But I think you're right here, too. This allows you to have enough time to play with. And the whole idea of like Adam Strange in the show coming here because, hey, Brainiac is coming to destroy your planet because he doesn't want Superman to ever be born. So you could, the, the whole point of this is a time travel story. So you could change, we could change everything if we don't, you know, turn Krypton around. We got to turn Krypton around <laughs> uh, and make sure that they, they, they are able to fight off uh, an invasion by Brainiac because they're ready for it, which is somewhat interesting too because this also takes place in the city of Kandor and Kandor is famous for being the bottled city of Kandor that Brainiac has on his ship. Yeah, so he shrank it down, put it yep, in his, so his collection. How all this is going to play together is fascinating to me. And I that, that to me, the ambiguity of the setup in the sense that like 
there are a lot of things that can happen in the show that I don't know what's going to happen specifically. Like, I, I mean, yeah, we found this fortress, right, for his grandfather, but I don't, I mean, how does he get anybody on his side? How does, you know, like, it, there's, it's so big. And, like, there's also the finite timeline of the cape disappearing, and, the, and as the cape disappears, it's, it's like this reverse hourglass mm-hmm. that's letting you know time is running out, and when that's gone, well, we're all screwed because Superman will be dead and Kryptonian, Krypton will be gone before it's supposed to be actually gone. Yeah, it's uh, of all the things that I expected them to do, I really wasn't thinking about Brainiac at all. And so I kept I kept calling him Galactus because the cloud thing that they were showing <laughs> kind of looked like Galactus a bit. But that's OK. You know, I I I love Marvel and I love DC and, you know, they're they borrowed from each other all the time throughout the years. And I'm fine with that. I don't get upset. Uh, so when it, they revealed it as Brainiac, I went, yeah, duh, of course, of course. Who else are you going to have as your overarching big bad? But yeah. unfortunately, Seg is weighed down with all of these minute concerns going on as well because of, oh, suddenly I'm ranked now and I get to marry this lady uh, that I don't even know. And, oh, gee, my parents are dead. <laughs> Just he's got so many other things to deal with, and yet he's got to find a way to save the world at the same time, and that is a lot to put on a young man. It's a lot to put on anybody. Yeah, I I loved. Um, obviously, if anybody has read Jeff Johns' Brainiac run with Superman, this is that Brainiac. Uh, even the the Brainiac who is kind of immersed in all the cables and everything, and the way the ship looks and all that is very similar to that comic book run that he did with Gary Frank. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool. And he looks terrifying. Yes. Like just the tiny bit that we saw of him is absolutely terrifying. So I feel like, you know, to me, I'm with your mother. Uh, I, so I don't know if that makes me 80 or not, but <laughs> like I, I, I felt like this show's premise in the way that it plays out in the first episode left me wondering all of these things and wanting to know more yes. but not on, on top of that like you kind of mentioned a little bit in this like i i, I kind of label this like kryptonian curse mm. um that this oligarchy has taken over from the voice of rao and there is no more freedom on krypton there is no more free will everything is completely predestined from the second that you're conceived, and when I say conceived, I don't mean you got jiggy with it. Oh with no, girl! No, we don't no, do that no. anymore. Uh-oh. No, no, no. Mm. We just put our finger <laughs> on a button, and it takes a little blood sample, and then creates a child of you two together, and then tells you what its entire life's gonna be like. Like, I, I really this 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 whole idea of like. Taking the Genesis Chamber idea, you know, we had seen there in Man of Steel and telling exactly what a person's going to be, how long they're going to live, what they're going to work. Like, that was a really interesting thing to see play out in this show. Like, I was real. It's it's the it's one of the things I'm so fascinated to see kind of continue throughout the show. This this idea of, you know, free will versus complete and utter determinism. I when they came to that scene and I was watching that I just thought 
Oh, that sounds like a horrible way to live. Because where's the creativity? Where's the, the impulse? Where's the freedom of expression? There is none. There is none. And that was one of uh, Valel's sins, was, was doing something he shouldn't do. Doing something that he wasn't commissioned to do. Doing something that wasn't part of his life plan. And if it weren't for him, they wouldn't even know Brainiac was coming. Gosh. Well, Adam Strange yeah. helped out on that front, too. <laughs> but, you know, his grandfather knew. And all of this, of course, led him to that Fortress of Solitude via his his mother. And uh, it's, you know, I was I was actually really happy to see a Fortress of Solitude on Krypton. I thought, yeah, that fits. That fits that that would start with Valel. And maybe even before, I don't know, but he had to have this place because the oligarchy is always watching. And he had to have some place where no one could see what he was doing because he knew what he was doing would not be viewed with a kind eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it, it reminds me of that police song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it really, it, it, just the idea, even too, behind the, the police song, uh, uh, you know. It, because it's about the Soviet Union and, uh, you know, there's always somebody watching and this idea that this oligarchy run by the voice around. What I thought was so interesting, too, is that the way that they have this set up, I felt like was nicely done in the sense that you can tell that it's a, um, it is a perversion of already you can tell that it's a perversion mm -hmm. of the idea of Rao as being the Kryptonian god oh yeah and that this is being used completely for power and uh, in a game of totally controlling uh, a civilization or trying to and I just I think that's a really interesting thing because the whole idea of there being no free will and you do this or or we we either execute you by sending you to the wastelands, mm -hmm. or we make you rankless and you're nobody in our society. And I thought that was just kind of this interesting idea. And it feels very, um, it reminds me a little bit some of the things that they did in Altered Carbon, where there's the people who live below, above and below. Um, and the way that um, those in power try to stay in power in these guilds and everything. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, that whole idea that like you're either a lawmaker or you're a military person or you're in science mm -hmm. and, and so forth is just such an interesting idea because that ultimate segregation definitely leads to stagnation in a society. And you can already see that Krypton's facing that problem, right? Their planet is uninhabitable on the surface, at least near Kandor. Yep. So they're already in a bubble. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's already a bottle city uh, because you don't want to stay outside for too long. And then, two, uh, how, how can you solve any problems if you don't have, like, you know, the military and science and, you know, medicine and all these things working together? If everything's so segregated, like you just you run into all these type of problems and it's no wonder their society is it's just kind of stuck. Yeah, it is very stuck. And I'm going to say something that people are probably going to find very radical because I I'm certain that I don't know even remotely as much Superman history as 
say you do, Matt, but it, it occurred to me, what if whoever is in this guise of the voice of Rao is working with Brainiac and breeding all of this stagnation so that there will be no one to resist when Brainiac arrives? That's probably totally off the mark, but I had the no, thought while I was watching no. it. I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I think you could be onto something and it would make sense that, you know, it would make sense to me that Brainiac might have a plant on Krypton so that he can make his will come forth and that the voice of, or the supposed voice of Rao is actually the voice of Brainiac making sure that this, this, this planet gets led to destruction early. I, I like that. I think that's actually really a good pull because it, it kind of fits with, you know, the, I think a lot of the comic lore that kind of goes along with Brainiac and Krypton and there's a lot of things that happen throughout the 80s. It gets really muddied, so it's too much to talk about in this episode. So it's like comic no, book I history. Think, yeah, I know. It yeah, all gets muddied. Absolutely. It all gets muddied. So I like that a lot, though, that idea. It's, it's the only explanation I can think of for the stagnant society coming about because of the voice of Rao. At least that's what I'm assuming it's because of the voice of Rao. And the voice of Rao being completely covered, having no part of their body exposed and never speaking, at least that we see or hear. So I just thought there has to be a reason for that. And this person is obviously not what they seem. So I am looking forward to finding out more. I'm looking forward to so much. It's just, ooh, I want more. Yeah. Well, and I, I thought it was interesting, too, the idea, because I do think that this is something pretty new. Um, it may be something they, I, I, I don't recall seeing this in any Superman material. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, Twitter, because that's what you're for. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, Twitter does. You're wrong. Yeah. Um, wrong. Uh, but <laughs> Well, actually. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I don't think it, we've ever seen the idea of a rankless part of the society yeah. before. I think that's new. And so I found that pretty interesting to see. And I love the way that that kind of played into, you know, the fact that Valal has been made this. And it's one of the ways that to which this oligarchy keeps people in line, right? You know, you do what we say or, or we will give you the rank of nothing, and you will be basically banished to, you know, the, the bottom of Candor, and nobody will care about you, and you will die, and your, you know, lineage will not go on. And so that, that, that's such a huge part of Kryptonian society, is the idea of families and crests and all of that, I think is fascinating. But I also kind of think, in this whole idea of that, it also gives you the idea of of w we're going to build into the whole Superman mythos how in the world that symbol became known as the symbol of hope. Like, we've always heard that before. Yes. But now I think we're going to actually find out what that story is. And then to me, that's really exciting because right now the symbol of L is nothing. Yep. It's rankless. So I think to me, that's a really cool thing to see. I agree. I am. I love it when a prequel takes on the direction of explaining something that has never really been covered before, because that's how you do a prequel. Don't tell us stories that we already know. 
but I, I love that they're also pulling in all of these things because I know that there are people who went to the DC archives and just went through all the Superman stuff and just pulled from this and that. And because I watched the making of special and I, I, I watched our young friend whose name escapes me for the moment. So I'm going to look at the page and find out uh, who plays, <laughs> who plays Sig. He's so adorable. Oh, Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. yeah. And he, go, he actually goes to the DC archives and, Man, they show him so much stuff that I have never seen. I actually have a reprint of the very first Superman comic that's very nice. dear to my heart. I haven't even opened it from its plastic case. It's completely <laughs> sealed. So it's just like, no, no, I'm just going to keep you in the bag forever and ever because that's really special to me. And I just, I want to see what other things they're going to pull in and still make this fit into some kind of continuity of what we know of the future, which is basically our present. So that's that's a tricky tightrope to walk, and so far they're doing a great job. Well, I think I think the the great thing about the way that they're setting all of this up, you know, is they're creating and they're trying to create a world which is interesting to watch you know, Superman to have come from. Yes. Um, but I also think, you know, what, what's fascinating to me is that it. I enjoy the fact that we're going to learn about Superman's lineage so that when we think of Superman and who he is on our planet and who he becomes because of who he was raised by on Earth, we also know that there were those same kind of people on Krypton that were his parents and his grandparents that were actually these same type of people as well. You know, and I think that's really neat to get to fill in that whole other side. I mean, we know some about um, Jarrell and Laura, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But I think to kind of really f flesh this all out, it's going to be kind of fascinating. And obviously, too, you know, we can, we can always run into the other side of the family, um, mm. you know, the, which uh, later on, depending on how long the show lasts, you know, you, you can always have, um, you know, because you've got Kara Zorel, um, you know, who, who uh, is Supergirl. And so you could run into that side of the family and everything. So you can really start to build a lot of different things that can happen because they're also from Candor. So I think that would be really fascinating. Um, and one of the things, too, that was kind of neat that they pulled in that I enjoyed was the whole idea of these black zero terrorists. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. And um, those have been a couple of things. have been a couple of different organizations. It's actually been a person. So it's, there's a lot of things they can pull on. But what I think they're pulling on here is that it's an elite Kryptonian military force under the commander of Ursa. And this unit was killed attempting to defend Kandor from Brainiac. So I'm thinking that Black Zero in the show will be a group that's believed Val L's warnings and has kind of been what labeled a terrorist group. Mm -hmm. But really, in the end, they're kind of like the Kryptonian Rebellion. Yes, I hope you're right. I love that. I want that to be true. Yeah, because I just, I mean, because the way that they dealt with the idea of Black Zero, that seemed to be kind of where they were going. So Yeah, it's it seems like because... Why else would his mother use that as the reason that she had stolen the skimmer and right, gone right. out into the wastes and what have you? 
it was it was the perfect cover. Uh, didn't seem like many people believed her, but that's beside the point. She gives us just a small tease before she's murdered. Um, oh, excuse me. Ceremoniously executed. executed. Yeah. Merci- mercifully, I have to say, because honestly, that whole outcasting you to the wastes is not cool. That's just cruel and unusual. Yeah, it could have definitely been worse. Yeah, it could have been worse. Her. And and that's that's a whole other story. But I, they they gave us that little nugget. I want to see them build on it. I want it to be what what you think it's going to be, because that is going to just add another layer. And maybe that's who Seg is going to find and who oh, he's yeah. going to ally with. And then everybody's working on this project together. And Voice of Rao is closing in on them. And oh, no, Brainiac's here. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going way too far ahead. So Well, and, and, and I, I like the idea that in the end, maybe Seg becomes like the you know, Luke Skywalker-ish type, you know, mm-hmm. with Black Zero of, of of helping them to defeat, you know, the first enemy, which is this, you know, oligarchy here that's ruining their planet and keeping it unsafe, and then the, the Brainiac problem. So I'm wondering if, you know, that it's going to be part of all of these seasons uh, and how this is going to play out. Because, you know, the cape... And it disappearing seems to add a a pretty distinct timeline. Like it yeah. can't seem like it can take forever. So at most, I almost feel like this is maybe a two season storyline. You know, sure. Like you solve part of the problem the first season, and the second season kind of wraps that part up. And so, yeah, uh, I don't know. But the whole idea of Black Zero was really fun because immediately my ears perked up when I heard it because that's the name <laughs> of Zod's ship. And um, Man of Steel uh, is Black Zero. So, uh, and the idea of, of going back into the archives and again, just pulling this out, I think is really cool um, and using as much as possible of what we know of, you know, Krypton from the comics was great. I agree. And the one thing that I felt about this show is that you can have only basic knowledge of Superman as the character and come into this and still enjoy it and still feel compelled by it. It's, there is, there's something for everyone. There's something for every level of fan in this premiere. And that is a hard thing to do. And there may be people who disagree, and that's fine. But I really feel like this was really clever, the way that they could attract many different age groups, many different fan levels. I'm sorry, you were going to say something, Matt. No, no, no. I all all I wanted to say was I think you're absolutely right. And the main thing is is because, you know, instinctively you all understand Superman is an idea, right? Even if you've never really read the comic books, yep. you understand his importance just because it's Superman and, and it's the most recognizable uh shield in the world next to the cross. You know, so it's like that's that's how that's the impact of this character. So coming in, you don't have to have been somebody who's read a thousand Superman comics. They'll give you what you need in the episode. And I think that's the thing that's really great. It Um, it is. And they're not dumbing it down. That's the thing. They're giving us exposition, but they're not dumbing it down. They're not making it like uh, this is Superman for beginners. That's not what this is. They're putting us in the middle of a story and saying, here you go, have fun. And 
they made me, they made me care. And I, I want, I want more. I want more. And my mother, I talked to my mother again today and she said, now Krypton's on, on, on Wednesdays, right? And I said, yeah, but here it airs like at 11 PM. And she says, oh, you know me, I'm up till like 12 or one. I'll watch it. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, and I, well, I got a quick shout out at the moment. You know, you can get the pilot free on iTunes, so you can watch the whole thing without. I'm just saying, you, you, no reason not to watch it. It's free. Absolutely, um, no reason not to. What did you? So the the, the cast that we have: Cameron Cuff um, plays Segel, and you know, obviously playing Superman's grandfather and Jor-El's father. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about him? Since he is our main character, and and honestly, you know, obviously he doesn't work. The show's kind of sunk. Yeah, he. Our introduction to adult Seg is uh, very fun <laughs> because he's basically getting beat up in a bar by some by some officers. It's very Kirk. Yeah, tw- two thousand nine. Right. This is the same type of story, right? <laughs> it it is, but but not at the same time because uh, he's got a deal going on with our our bartender, yeah. his friend Kim, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he has. They're taking bets on how long he'll last. We don't know that at first, but there's obviously something where he's got to draw out the fight a certain amount of time, and immediately we can tell. Okay, you're you're sullen and you're angry, and you hate what uh, the powers that be did to your grandfather, and rightly so. You're unranked. He doesn't seem so bothered by the unranked part. He seems to have a pretty good time when he's in the bar, even when he's getting the crap beat out of him. So. Yeah, that's that's really where I felt the Kirk. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that he's kind of somebody who's enjoyed reveling in, oh, well, you don't like me? Well, then I'll be twice the rebel, you know? Like, yeah. It, it, and I, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting to watch that he again, he kind of has that 2009 Kirk storyline where he has to be challenged to do something more. And instead of it being Pike, it's kind of Adam Strange who comes in and kind of gives him the kick he needs to to take all of that, you know, vigor um to to, to be something better uh and and to fight for something more than just, you know, just even his own family, like it's all of Krypton. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, I don't know. I felt like he's, uh, I feel like he's good. There were a couple places where he's a little bit uneven as a, just as an actor, but I think he's going to grow into the role. And I really, in, I, I enjoyed him. And there were a couple of moments where he had, he said some lines and it made my wife chuckle. And if you can actually make her chuckle out loud <laughs> at a TV show, you're doing something right. Excellent. So, Excellent. yeah, I mean, and he did. He did have a couple of funny little quips. And, yeah, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the, the idea that he's going to be the one that kind of changes the L family name to make it something bigger and to make it that thing that we kind of understand of, you know, for that in that crest i just think so i'm again for me watching that i'm excited so he was he was good um we have um light azad who is this cadet and warrior in the kryptonian military and yes you heard right azad her mother actually happens to be one of the trainers not such a nice 
person. Um, but, oh, as the, you would oh think. she was glorious in action. Whew. Well, watch and her she was also in Wonder day. Woman. Yeah, I could watch her so, fight all day. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But when you stab your own daughter in the hand... Mm. Mm. Anyway, mm. but her daughter... Uh, what did you end up thinking of Georgina Campbell uh, as Segel's, you know, love interest, at least at the beginning of this episode? Well, I'm still undecided on her. I, I found her a little bit bland, and mm, yeah. I didn't really... I mean, yeah, they have this secret romance, not that it's secret to Seg's parents at all. They are not oblivious yeah. to that at all. It's and very Romeo and Juliet. It is. It is very Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I don't know. I, I want more from her. I think she's capable mm -hmm. of more. I want to see the character developed more. Because right now she's just the girl who has to save face with her mother. And, oh, she's bound to this other guy. And the binding's going to take place in a couple of weeks and such. But I, I, I want more from her. I want more about her. Because right now, she's just kind of two-dimensional to me. And that's no fault of the actress, I don't think. I just feel like she isn't given enough to do. You, you see her asking her mother for mercy when her mother's about to dislocate her shoulder and then getting stabbed through the hand. And then you see her with Seg. And you see her pretend to arrest Seg later. But you don't really get an idea of who she is. So I want I want more character development there, and I'm hoping that I get it, and then I will make a judgment on whether or not I care. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I I think I really agree with your assessment. Um, she doesn't really get anything to do that's a standout, um, you know, and because it's the classic Romeo and Juliet, which I guess apparently is not as good unless you've read it in the original Kryptonian. <laughs> um, oh oh oh! I read it in Klingon. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, it's mm. it's much better in the original Kryptonian. Good to know. I will pick up um, a copy. Yeah, so <laughs> she Yeah, she gets to be the love interest and in, in the person who doesn't really kind of want to be where she is and everything, but there isn't anything that's super in, involved there. In fact, uh, you know, we'll talk about in a minute, but I feel like Nissa Vex is in this short screen time she had was much more fascinating than uh, Lida Zod was and I think it's just because of the part that's written for her and I think it is fascinating uh, something that you know we were talking about the idea of um, no free will they don't they don't even get to choose who they get to be married to mm -hmm. they don't get to choose who they're bonded to nope. it just ha it, it gets chosen for them it, it, and so if you're in one of these ranked families now I guess with your rank list it doesn't matter but for them, they don't get to choose. And so I thought that was kind of fascinating. And it, it, it kind of created this world that reminds me of the things that you see in like, um, I don't know, any show that kind of takes place in like uh, ancient Rome or like a Game of Thrones type of thing mm -hmm. or whatever, where people have these arranged marriages. And then, of course, there's lots of affairs on the side because they don't really love the person that they're with. Right. So I feel like that in Krypton, you, you probably got that happening a lot. Because these people have been put together, but they don't love each other, you know, and and they might not want to spend the time to try and get to love each other. So I thought that was something that is could be something we see later on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. She was okay, you know, and yes. the character was okay at the moment. Yeah, so. she it wasn't terrible. It just was lacking. 
I guess is the best yes, yes. sum up of that. Uh, but yeah, do you want to talk about Nissa? Because <laughs> yeah, I think Nissa Vex um, Wallace Day. Uh, the fact that you know her daughter, she's the daughter of Darren Vex. He is the guy who sentenced Valel to death, and then of course uh, we get Segal saving his life. Uh, and the council's life, because um, he was going to return, get his father his medicine. His father was Darren Vex's, I guess, assistant? Yeah. You know, executive assistant? Uh, Slave. Slave, yeah, basically. basically. Um, and he ends up stopping a Black Zero terrorist from blowing up uh, this Voice of Rao council. And so he's given a rank again, and... Darren Vex chooses him to bond with his daughter, Nissa Vex. And the small time that she's on screen, she says a couple really interesting things that make her fascinating. One, she says, everybody is a pawn in her father's game. But then she says, and yet he thinks that he chose you because it was his idea. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I want to know more about this girl because this is fascinating. Yes, I totally agree. She commands, she just commands your attention. And it's yes. not just because of her appearance. There is something in the way she stands. There is something in her facial expressions, the way she holds her body. Uh, she's gorgeous, of course, but that isn't what I was focusing on. That wasn't what caught my attention. She just, you know, if she walked into a room, any room, everybody would be turning and looking at her, male and female alike, because she just commands attention. And I figured, you know, when he looks at her after her dad promises her to him, and she just has this tiny little half smile, I thought, oh, no, this was her idea. This was all her idea. Daddy's just a player. She's the game master. And I love that. I mean, I, I and what it, it kind of excites me to think... Is that possibly there, and there is a possibility that she wouldn't end up being a bad person in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, like that it could be flipped, and you could do something really interesting. So, and and then you could walk that tightrope almost as uh, like they're doing on Supergirl with Lena, where is she going to be good? Is she going to be bad? You know, is she going to stay on the straight and narrow, or is she going to you know swerve? I feel like Nissa could be a character that gives us that opportunity to play that for a while before they finally show whatever cards that she's going to play. Yes. Uh, so I, I like that because it creates that mystery. But yes, I agree with you. I just, I, and it really had nothing to do with her looks. No, it was it just what they gave the character to do that she, I found her a commanding presence and wanted to know more about her, especially as she, you know, they're walking in the Genesis chamber and she's like, hmm, so strange that people used to carry babies in their wombs seems so inefficient you know and it's like <laughs> this this she seems kind of like this cold character but then she has the comet then in the genesis chamber after they've bonded and she says "Ooh, that just really brings up the maternal feelings or something to that effect and you get the feeling like she's not super happy necessarily with this cold sterile life that which doesn't leave you any room for what it like true emotion towards anything when you don't get to choose or have a choice in or feel like you have any say in anything it's it's hard to feel like life is really worth caring about 
Yeah, and why should they care? Because everything's planned out for them, and the only the only moves they get to make, the only alliances they make, the only bondings that they make, it's all about power. That's all it's about. It's all about power. It's about rank. It's about status. Has nothing to do with love. Has nothing to do with happiness. None of those things. And to me, when she said the whole carrying the baby in the womb, I thought, well, that's how you develop your bond with your child before it's even born is you you're carrying that kid around yep. inside you for that 10 months really it's 10 months let's be honest um, yeah. <laughs> and you make that connection so that and and that's that's just that's nature that's nature at work you make that connection you've carried this around now this thing is out of you and you have to protect and feed it and love it and you have that bond already. You're like, oh, yes, this is of me. I need to raise this. And this is my own. This is this is me living on, if you want to go that far. But, uh, yeah, it's it's all about nature versus nurture in this world. And there's not really much of either going on. It's just, here's your life. Well, and this is another thing. Like, just on top of that, I think it's so interesting kind of diving into this because we're talking about Nissa and the... the Genesis chamber and everything. There's there's this lack of nature mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Like everything is this like technological terror. It's all you know like cold and there's no color. Yeah. No, there's there's no feeling to anything in it. And it it's like all of the joy of life has been sucked out completely because there's no room for failure and there's no room for triumph really. And yeah, it it just all of that is kind of wrapped up in everything you see kind of. Uh, with that interaction between Nissa and Segal, and I think that's great. It, it just it it really brings home, I think, some of the things that it makes this show interesting here at the very beginning. Um, what did you think? Of, we got Adam Strange, who comes into the show from Detroit, <laughs> the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Sean Sipos, I think, is how you would say his name. Uh, and I'd say I felt like he was an enjoyable highlight of the episode whenever he was on because he's just kind of like, Hey man, gotta listen to me. You know, like he's, he's just, I don't know. I liked him. There was something about the, his portrayal and I'm really interested to find out more about him because he's not a superhero gets tons of play all the time. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see where they go with Adam strange in this whole thing. And I think the actor, brought something that made him worth paying attention to in the show. Yes, he he is another one of those people who has a commanding presence in a very different way from Nyssa. Because the first time you see him on screen, I thought, okay, that guy's from Earth because he is wearing a hoodie and a baseball cap. <laughs> but it wasn't just the way he was dressed. There was just something about him. And so when he finally makes contact with Seg... And starts explaining things, and I just thought, oh, okay, Adam Strange. Now that would make that that can make sense. Uh, is this before he gets uh, shot off to a totally different planet and becomes a superhero there? Probably. <laughs> so it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. So they can really do what they want with that. But what I want to know is how he is doing this traveling. Who is helping him do this traveling? Why did they choose him? Uh, is he going to quit smoking? Because that'll kill him really fast. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I Especially if this is before he's gotten his superpowers. Exactly. Yeah, cuz he's he's uh well, yeah, if if it's before he's gotten his superpowers, he'll probably survive until then, but you know, he's going to have that rattling cough. Anyway, uh I I enjoyed every moment that he was on screen and I felt the frustration of him trying to convince Seg that he wasn't just some random weirdo. And I just thought, you know, Seg, look at how he's dressed. Have you ever seen anyone dressed like this on your planet? I mean, I know you're living in the slums, basically, but still, nobody's dressed like this. So, yeah. But it, it doesn't take Seg very long to realize there is something to it when he hands him the sunstone, especially. That, that goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting the sunstone, opening the fortress, figuring out that this is, you know, um, true, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of uh, gaining access finally uh, to the systems and everything, and of course the cape and all of that, I think it definitely becomes clear to him that there is something going on. I think that's fascinating. Um, and I think, you know, uh, yeah, I, I like you, Brock, but, you know, who's helping Adam Strange get here? Is this before he got gets his, you know, um, powers, before he's, you know, ended up on this planet called Ron and, you know, uh, all of those things? Um, is he, you know, being carted around in time by, like, somebody like Blue Beetle? Uh, I would love that! Or, you know, uh, is he being helped out by, uh, you know, a Green Lantern, you know, or something like, I mean, there's all of these people that you can play with. And I think I'd say, you know, um, I'd say for me when I'm thinking about this show, just in general and, and moving forward, uh, the thing that is neat about this show is it's not bound by Earth, and therefore we get to explore a lot of parts of the DC universe that have not been touched really anywhere. Yes. And there's a lot of things that you can do because there's a lot of characters that aren't Earth-bound, say like Green Lanterns or you, time travelers like Blue Beetle or... Um, you know, uh, I, I doubt they'll touch any fourth world things here. Um, but, you know, there, there's just so many opportunities um, with Brainiac. You know, you've got Thangarians you could maybe touch on, possibly. I mean, there's just... It's ridiculous what they could pull from. And I think that's what's kind of exciting here is, to me, I would say kind of in a, in a summation, the show set up really fun mysteries that I want to see them now solve in the show. And that's what you want a show to like this to do. And I feel like it really does succeed in that. I agree. I, I say, I'm saying that a lot during this episode, but we obviously are much of the same mind on this. I, I love a good mystery, but I also love a good payoff. Give me that payoff. I want that payoff. And I really feel like we're going to get several moments like that. Because they have all of these threads that they're pulling on, and I can't wait to see where they lead. Another thing that I noticed about Adam Strange is that his time in the past on Krypton seems to be limited. And it seems to be somewhat painful when he is pulled back. Uh, So I don't know. I'm really curious about how this is happening and why he only has a finite amount of time and has to keep popping in and out Ooh, just so many questions. I'm looking forward to having answered. If you uh, if you were to rate the first episode and kind of I, I guess 
rate the first episode, but then kind of give uh, what you're hopeful for. What, what do you think? I was very impressed with this premiere, and I tend to rate things higher than maybe people normally would. So I would say I would give this premiere a, I would give it nine sunstones out of ten. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, I really was impressed by everything I saw. I was impressed by the actors. I was impressed by most of the characters. Come on and give Lida something to do. And uh, and and I want more. They left me wanting more almost immediately. So they, they've hooked me. I'm in. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think uh, that for me, this is probably... Seven and a half to eight stolen skimmers. Mm, yeah. um, that you know, it, I feel like they have what they've done is that they have really set up um, great things that I want to. Like you said, I it, at this point you need to do a good job of paying off all these mysteries now, and that's the most important thing in a show. And we were talking before we started recording, and it looks like so far I saw on IMDb it looks like that there's ten episodes for the season. At least that's what they have listed at the moment. So if this is that kind of smaller television season, uh, I think they actually have a good opportunity of of having created a very nice cohesive 10-arc structure here that could give us that payoff that we're both hoping for. And um, yeah, I, I am actually... It's a show that now I'm looking forward to see the next episode, to see what happens. Um, b- because um, they did make me want to see more. And it's kind of like Starship Troopers. <laughs> would you like to know more? <laughs> yes, I would. Oh, um, that makes my heart so, sing with joy. Thank you for that reference. Yeah, so <laughs> I totally would. So um, I'm, I am I'm excited to see where the show goes, and you know, I hope people check it out again. Heck, you can you can go to iTunes, and, and at least as of this recording, the pilot episode's free, so you can check it out and see what you think. Uh, and uh, I hope to, to be able to come back and talk about the whole season and, and just see what happens uh, with it and, and how they play out some of these mysteries and where they end up going and maybe new questions. That they Indeed. I'd up. love to be so, a part of that. Yeah. I mean, we might be able to make that happen. I'm you not think, sure. You think maybe? I'll have to look at my schedule. I, I but, appreciate um, you uh, possibly penciling <laughs> me in. That's very kind. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll definitely get the pencil out. Um, we'll put a pen in. Um, but I'm so glad we got, I'm so great to have gotten a chance to talk about this because I, it is something where I wondered what it would be like. And I'm glad that so far it's kind of lived up. And so that's great. And I hope everybody will check it out and let us know what they think over there in the Babel Conference and on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much to Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. Uh, they make this show possible. Uh, and they've been doing it for a long time as associate producers here through Patreon. It's pretty cool that um, they've cared about this show and the network so long to bring us uh, this show and every other show on the network. And so uh, it's a large large thing to put together Trek FM. There's so many shows, there's so much happening, and obviously there's really no way that we can do it alone. So we ask you to go to patreon.com slash trekfm and that is where you can support us every little bit a month and that makes sure that all the shows that you like keep coming to you each and every week and they come to you ad-free. Um, so 
for a little bit a month, you can make that happen. We have some great perps we love to give you at certain contribution levels, but honestly, every little bit helps. So again, it's patreon.com slash trekfm and you can become part of the team. But uh, Brandy, it is great to have you on here uh, for the first time and I'm excited to be able to have you back soon. But before that, if anybody wants to talk to you about Krypton or anything else, uh, where can they find you? Oh, you'll always find me lurking in the Babel conference. I'm usually in there to like a lot of posts, and every once in a while I may even comment when I feel extremely compelled to say something. Uh, I do, usually do the test of I type it out, and then I think, is anyone going to care about this? And I think if someone I think is going to care about it, then I go ahead and post it. But 90% of the time, I end up not saying anything. But you can also find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is spelled with an I, and the 12 is the number 12. I'm also a co-host on Warp 5, which is Trek FM's dedicated enterprise podcast with my pals Brandon Shamatella and Patrick Devin, Devlin. Excuse me, Patrick. I'm so sorry. And we have a great time talking about enterprise, so you can catch me there. Someday when Discovery returns, you'll see me on Live from the Edge again, but I'm not going to bother giving you the details because there aren't any yet. And uh, I also do a podcast with my husband, Dave, called The Dark Corner Podcast. And we like to take a look at pop culture through a darker lens. And uh, just a fair warning, there is a lot of swearing on that show, and it's mostly from me. So, so purely adult. Purely adult. <laughs> Brandy after hours. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Brandy in the dark corner. Uh. There you go. <laughs> Um, well, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram under the same name uh, here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm over on the Nerd Party Network with uh, my good friend John Mills talking about Star Wars Aggressive Negotiations. It is a fantastic time, especially if you love Star Wars. You're going to love the show, so check it out. I'm doing Owl Post with Drea Kaufman talking about Harry Potter one chapter at a time, which is wonderful. So make sure you check that out. It's a lot of fun. And then last but not least, uh, I am on Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney. And we talk about film, but through the lens of faith. So you can find all of those shows wherever you get your podcasts. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now here. Here.